Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Head of Athletic Performance at Australian Women's Rugby Sevens, Craig Twentyman. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. So delighted to um, get Craig Twentyman out of bed this morning at 6 o'clock in the morning Sydney time and uh, have him join us on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Craig. Thanks, Rob. It's great to have you, mate. So would you be able to just give us a little bit of a background on on you and your, your background uh, from your education point of view and maybe what you're currently doing at the minute? Yeah, sure. So I, I'm from New Zealand originally. I've been in Australia for sort of 14 years now, so a fair, fair while. Um, I did a Bachelor of Physical Education in, uh, at Otago Uni um, and then sort of started to look overseas. Me and my um, then girlfriend, but now wife, uh, we sort of decided to move over to Australia as a way of maybe sort of moving on to the UK and doing the old OE, but we sort of stayed here and got work. And I did a master's in um, sport and exercise science at Sydney Uni. Um, and then, yeah, a few jobs along. Um, ended up with the ARU, which was a bit of a conflict initially, but, um, <laughs> you know, like it's a, it's a great organisation, um, no matter what the, the press says at times. And I've been with them for sort of 10 years now um, working across different programs, um, initially starting with the sort of younger development sort of groups they have um, coming through school, school-age kids. But um, now with the with the Women's Sevens, um, since we cent- centralised uh, three years ago. So it's, it's been a, a good time with the ARU. So you've uh, obviously kind of – the Olympics is um... – has calmed down a little bit now, obviously off the back of it, yeah. everyone kind of gets on with their life. But yeah, that's right. You... I mean, go on, mate. Yep. I was just saying there was a, you know, the, like the reason that we centralised was was the Olympics. That was the ultimate goal. So um, to be successful there, it was like really, you know, amazing, pretty surreal, really. Um, all that planning that went into it, and actually it all sort of panned out as we planned, which doesn't often happen in SNC, as you know. Um, and yeah, like, you know, you go from the highs of that, um, back into the daily grind and, and it took a while for, for some of the athletes to, to get back into that. But, um, you know, as a whole, most of them have, um, you know, just rolled their sleeves up and, and got back in, into work. Uh, you know, nothing stays sort of, uh, static in, in sevens for very long. Um, the next tournament's just around the corner. So we're sort of building up to Dubai at the moment. So what's it like from what's the Olympics like from uh, like head of department dealing well with dealing with the the kind of logistical side of things, travel, getting things sorted hotel wise. What's all that like as a, as a practitioner? Well, been there. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, it's multifaceted, isn't it? You've got so much to consider. Um, you know, like obviously a, a lot of that logistical planning is is taken out of our hands from a um, you know finer point 
um, point of view, but, you know, considering the, the travel and, you know, climatization and, you know, getting into the time zones and plenty of time to, to make sure it doesn't affect your performance. And, you know, we had a, like a heat climatization sort of, uh, camp up in Darwin, um, probably two to three weeks prior to going. So we went up there and, and got temperatures, which ended up being, you know, like warmer than what we actually experienced in Rio. Um, but sort of covering off that, that side of things. Um, and then we had a, a camp in a place called Portobello prior to actually um, going to the village. Um, and that was for a week and that was like really good for just getting into the time zone and getting things going in, in Brazil, but not actually being in the bubble of, of the, of the village. And then, um, you know, ultimately, you know, it was really good. We were the first three days of the Olympics. So, you know, we went in, um, four days prior and, and did a bit of, you know, you know, uh, getting, getting the, getting the busyness of it all out of the way, I guess. Um, and then we were able to knuckle down for those three days and, and then, you know, um, really enjoy ourselves after that. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was really sort of planned well from, uh, you know, a whole department point of view and, and it ended up, you know, working for us. So what's the Olympic bubble like? How hard is it to keep kind of athletes' mind on the, on the job in hand? Well, it was, it was surprisingly um, good from uh, from our point of view. Like our athletes were sort of on task, and you know, the first couple of days we were actually in the village, it was, you know, like people were, you know, wandering around everywhere and and covering a fair amount of ground because in you know the Olympic Village, it's you know a sprawling place. So we ended up um, not considering that initially. It was something that we hadn't considered and, and luckily we were, we had enough time to sort of think, oh shit, we're, um, actually they're, they're covering another sort of three Ks a day on feet. Um, just wandering around the village and, and walking to and from, um, from dinner and in the dining hall. So we, you know, put a stop to that and got them all on the, the transport that rolls around the village, you know, at, at regular intervals and, um, uh, managed to settle that side of things down. But, you know, you, until you're actually in that sort of environment, you don't, or if you've been there prior, um, and had that experience prior, you don't like these are sort of finer points that you you don't consider or um, sort of slip your mind to consider. So it was a you know definitely a good learning experience as well. But you know seeing the other athletes around, like yeah, it's it's, it's pretty thrilling. But um, our our athletes were yeah, pretty focused, so it was it was really good from that point of view. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been working with the girls now? Uh, three years since, uh, we sort of started to centralize towards the end of 2013. Um, and then we actually centralized full time at, at the start of 2014. So what were, what were your first thoughts changing from working with males to working with females? Well, during um, my time with the AU prior, we'd run decentralized sort of camps based sevens programs with both the men and the women. So I'd had experience with, with working with the, with the girls sevens um, prior, you know, leading into the World Cup in, um, actually Dubai, I think it was in, in 09, um, which I actually won. So I'd had that experience, um, previously, but yeah, I, I mean, initially, like there was some changes happening at the AU and, um, 
you know, it was probably the most um, set in stone option available to me. So I definitely um, leapt at it. And, and at the same time, um, the, the head coach, it's still the head coach, Tim Walsh, started with them as well. So I could see that obviously he was going to run a good program. And I thought, you know, this will, this will be a good move for me. And obviously with that carrot of the Olympics, ultimately, um, it was a no brainer in the end. So, yeah, initially you, you think, oh, geez, how's how's it going to go working full time with girls? But um, you know, they're they're an amazing group of girls, and um, you know, it's it's definitely improved me as a coach working working with female athletes. In terms of what, Craig, what what's what's developed and what's changed from your point of view? Well, I think um, anyone that's worked with female athletes. Um, uh, or you know, in a in a full time program, um, you realise that you need to be spot on with um, you, obviously your prescription of things, but also um, knowing why you're prescribing because they will come at you with a million different <laughs> questions about every single part of that program. So you need to know why you're doing it and and be able to you know back that up not with your explanation, but you know, with a, a bit of uh, like grunt behind your explanation regarding, you know, like the science as to why you do it or the the very specific reasoning because uh, they're at you for sure, keep you on your toes. So from a from a, a kind of really practical prescription point of view, what yeah. what what's changed from that side of things? Well, I just think um, underlying like all my programming prior was, you know, the the underlying component of it was uh, a focus on on strength and, and the main lifts and, and building a program around that. But um, especially with the girls, like really working hard on their um, relative strength, especially lower body wise. Um, you know, not only from a performance point of view, but you know, like avoiding those. Um, those injuries, especially around the knee and, and those other sort of um, issues that arise from girls potentially, you know, not being exposed to, to um, you know, high force sort of contact sports previously. So, like, we've had to really uh, bulletproof them from an overall strength point of view so they can handle the, the you know, the high higher running demands of, of sevens, but also like that, that contact um, side of things that previously that they'd had no exposure to. So when it comes to um, especially the, the ACL, obviously, that you mentioned there, what, what kind of specific work are you doing for, for prevention of that with the girls? Well, a big focus on um, squatting strength, um, relative and absolute, but um, obviously we, we're always chasing a, a relative squat strength of sort of 1.8 to 2 times body weight. And, and the group that went to <coughs> Rio had, a, had an average squat strength of, of 1.8 times body weight. So um, always working on, on that, um, building that, but also you know, just the general hamstring strength side of things and um, not only related to ACL sort of injury prevention but you know that tolerating those those high speed running loads that that are running sport like sevens um, you know you're constantly sort of exposed to so um, big focus on squat strength um, deadlift strength um, in general other um, hamstring sort of resilience and, and strength so when you're not in competition, what's your what's your kind of weekly um, weekly schedule look like? 
so so a big week for us for example like a a normal big week if you like is is four days four days in um we've got three running days uh and then four lifting days um when we first started you know we were, like the girls couldn't tolerate a lot of like high velocity sort of running um so we did a lot of like groundwork around their technique development from a like speed point of view um and and then also a lot of like base grunt sort of hard conditioning running if you like because we couldn't get work rates from solely from conditioning games um so we had to like balance those two sort of components um out in the program but because they they couldn't tolerate a lot of high high velocity running we could sort of get away with training on monday tuesday thursday friday with a day off in between um those those cluster blocks um at the start and the end of the week but um now they're at a level where they can tolerate a lot of high velocity running we've had to go to a monday wednesday friday running day with a with a day off in between each to to maintain the intensity um and to avoid those issues that started to sort of show show the heads um from a a loading sort of point of view so you know tendonitis or tendinopathy sorry um and other sort of stress related issues that started to pop pop up um and so that that was a sort of basis of of going to day on day off um off pattern from a from an overall weekly point of view just so we could sort of get some good work into them but you know manage their loads appropriately so what would a what would a monday what would a monday look like if you mind talking us through what yeah, so Monday we'll come in for a, for a check-in at, at 7.30. Um, that's where they'll do their, their daily monitoring stuff. Um, Monday's a big running day for us, so we do, you know, your, your multi-sort of position, groin squeeze, um, general wellness stuff, um, and then they'll all have a hands-on check-off with the, with the physio, get strapping done. We'll have a team meeting, and then we'll do, a, like, our general PTP uh, session, which is a prep to play or prep to perform um, session, which is generally 20 to 30 minutes. It's a circuit-based session um, around rolling, um, sort of some dynamic stretch sort of routine stuff that we do, um, and then just a little mini circuit of, of uh, mini band sort of glute activation um, exercises, some sort of scap um, stabilization exercises, and, and just a little jump circuit just to prep them for, for the session. Um, training will be on at 10 o'clock. It'll generally go for 90 minutes. Um, uh, and then we'll have a, a recovery session, lunch analysis, and then we'll be in the gym at about 2, 2.30, um, and we'll roll through our, our big lower body. Um, oh, actually, it's not like a big lower body day. It's a, it's a hybrid day, um, and it's, it's generally when we squat. Um, and then we'll bench and, and bench pull and um, do their individual accessories and, and power stuff around those um, main lifts as well. So, how does your gym session differ on a on a? Uh, is it Wednesday and Friday lift as well? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. So Wednesday we'll um, we'll take the axial loading out um, from a lower body point of view. We'll do a, like a split squat, like front loaded split squat, and a in a hip thrust. Um, with a dynamic upper body sort of circuit and any individual sort of top up, um, you know, from a conditioning or, or a volume, um, point of view, depending on their individual needs. And then a Friday, we'll do another uh, heavy lower body, uh, like a deadlift, um, whether it be a trap bar or a flat bar, um, 
and our other push pull um, strength complex with the with the power and individual accessories built around that again. Um, deadlift on the Friday because um, you know we we don't want like we. You know, when we were first starting, we played around with with different days, and we found that, um, especially with the deadlift um, going heavy, um, found that if we had it early in the week, it might impact on their their subsequent running days, just from a like a lower back sort of sort of general soreness point of view. So we put it on the Friday, so they've got those those two days to recover. So when you mention your uh, your PTP. Um, yep. how, how do you keep, this is one thing that I spoke to, uh, someone about recently and it, it kind of reminded me when I watched some of the Premier League guys warm up yesterday. Yep. Um, yep. and how bored everyone looked prior to games. I know yeah. this season yeah. prior to games is <laughs> prior to practice, but how do you yep. keep that fresh for the girls? Obviously day in, day out. How do, how do you keep them motivated in that session? How do you change it up? Do well, you change it up? Yeah, yeah. So on the on the Wednesday when we don't have as much running, so Monday Fridays are our big running day. So on a Wednesday, um, we'll take some components of that that PTP out. Um, we won't we won't have the jump circuit. We'll, we'll take some of the the other components of it out as well. So we change it from that point of view. Um, I, I am to change that up. Um, you know, in line with their their gym phases. So they generally like generally sort of roll over a four week phase depending on where we are in the season. But I'll, I'll try and change that PTP process up um, at, at the same time as well. So you know they're, they're constantly exposed to slightly different sort of um, process. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, they're in as a group, big group, and they get the music going and, and, you know, have a bit of a laugh and, and that sort of thing, which is another, you know, difference we have between the guys and the girls. Big, big focus on a bit of fun and, and joking around and, and, you know, a bit of dancing and all that sort of, that sort of thing, which often doesn't pop up in, in male sort of, uh, teams or that I've worked with so far. So yeah, you know, they, they, they make their own fun as well. So. Mm. Do you get involved, Craig? You must get involved. The most rope you oh, have, surely. Yeah. You know, you know, I love a dance. I love a dance. No, I try and uh, be uh, absent at, at, at those times. You know, <laughs> let them do their thing. How much with with that kind of section of the day? How much do the girls dictate what they do? Uh, how do you mean at the start of the day? Or? Yeah, sorry the the um, the PTP uh, part of the yeah. section of the day. Did, how much? Do they dictate what happens? Is oh, it all dictated to them, or do they have a, a bit of a say in what kind of things they do? No, nah, well, they've got a they've got a um, a, a circuit or a process, um, you know, written down, like okay. put on the map for them to to follow through. Um, so they'll follow those those sort of. Um, uh, components of of what we do there, but they've got like a twenty to thirty minute block that they can spend as as much or as little time if you like, yeah. going through those processes as long as they're covering everything off. So you know, I'm not like standing there like a <laughs> um, dictator, you know, saying okay, change, 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 um, because you know that it's very boring for for all involved. So sort of let them, you know, take control of the, of that side of things as long as they're, they're covering everything off that we need. Just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Craig. So hope you enjoyed the first half. The second half includes chat around planning an Olympic cycle, which obviously Craig is um, very experienced in. Also, 
from the conditioning side of things for rugby sevens. So for all you guys out there in team sports, that's that's really interesting little uh, little segment from Craig. So just before part two is uh, is underway, just want to thank Valve Performance, makers of the Nordboard, for sponsoring the episode today. And just a little bit of news from my end. Uh, I know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago we had a new website coming. So the new website should be on its way within the next 10 days, two weeks. Um, so probably back end of November to the start of December. So some really good stuff, hopefully, uh, on that site, which kind of adds to the uh, adds to the podcast side of things. So keep an eye out for that. And I will let you get back to part two with Craig. Hope you enjoy. So, so when it comes to, obviously, your plan is, obviously, there's, there's steps in between this, but the main focus is is Olympics every four years. Yep. Um, do you just want to talk to us a little bit about uh, the kind of, obviously, you've just come off the back of one. So at what point yep. are we? Are you starting to think about one? And uh, what and what process do you go through when you actually start that plan? Yeah, okay. Well, I mean... You know, coming off the the Olympics, um, we got a group back in um, that didn't go to Rio at the start of September. So, essentially, um, you know, like the Olympics is always at, at the forefront um, of of your planning. Like we've started to to bring some um, new girls into the program um, on trial basis. You know, we had a tournament last weekend. Um, just a domestic tournament here in Australia, um, the Central Coast tournament. And we, we ran two teams. Basically, we split our group, our contracted group down the middle, um, those that were available to play. Um, and then we built two teams around, um, those contracted girls. Um, and, and those two teams were made up of, of development girls or girls that are on Scotty and, and Walsh's radars. Um, from Queensland, around New South Wales, other parts of Australia. Um, and we built two teams around the contracted girls and, and ran two teams at this tournament and they ended up playing each other in the final. And it was a good, good way to see some of the, the next, um, group that are, that are coming through. Um, we've got a tournament in Fiji next week, Oceania, and a few of our contracted girls aren't going um, you know, recovering from injury or we want to make sure that they're right for Dubai. So again, we, we've bought a, like three or four girls from this development group in that, that will send to Fiji and, and, um, you know, have a good look at, at how they perform on a, on a bigger stage. And yeah, I mean, if you like, we've already started to, to plan for, for the next Olympics. You know, it's, um, never ending process. And, and the thing is, it's still such a developmental sport. Um, you got to get these, these girls that you see promising um, into a, a full-time program, you know, relatively like early on in the process to, to make sure that they develop at the, at the rate um, required to, to reach where they need to be for this, for the next Olympics. So where, where's that kind of uh, conveyor belt start for the, to getting girls into the, into the system? Yes, so that Queensland and, and New South Wales run very good development programs and, um, you know, they've got like groups that sort of, uh, that run in, you know, a couple of times a week at least and, and, um, we, we keep an eye on a few of those girls, um, from both those, those, um, programs. But, you know, touch and, and Oztag, uh, are definitely, um, 
you know, very, very good sports that um, give athletes uh, a seven-specific grounding and, and especially, you know, catch-pass skills and, and width of pass off, off both sides point of view and, and like, just a, a game awareness point of view in, in Australia here. We're very, very lucky to, to have those two sports as, as being such popular sports and, you know, like a lot of our top athletes, um, Catholic, Cherry, um, Quirk, Tonegato, they've all come from from, um, you know, these these touch and, and Oztag backgrounds and, and they were outstanding for us in Rio and, and you know, that, that's a, a big part of our talent ID and, and um, development um, process. So with it, obviously a sport that's, that is kind of so so brutal physically, do you just want to talk to us a little bit about the, uh, the kind of conditioning side of things um, and what maybe revert back to the kind of weekly weekly structure and maybe what what is included in that to, to kind of tick that box yeah sure so when we first started as i said um you know there's a big focus on just getting girls up to speed from a like a technical point of view um from an actual like tolerating like workload and, and work rate point of view um and initially as i said um you know we couldn't just sort of base our training off off um conditioning games and, and that sort of thing we had to have a large component of traditional running conditioning in, in the program just so they were exposed to the to the work rates um that they're, they're finding games so as as the the program's gone um and to this point now you know like we we can get a lot of like really good work rate um work done from from our conditioning games because the skill level of the athlete is has improved so much um we still have uh, have you know your top-ups and and injections within your session um, of, you know, the, the traditional running conditioning, if you like, um, just to get those super maximal sort of uh, work rates happening, you know, the, the plus 200 metres a minute sort of um, thing. Um, but we work on, like, worst-case scenarios um, based off, you know, 45, 60, 90 um, second intervals up to two minutes, which is, you know, like a, a worst, worst-case scenario um, from a, a work um, non like without stoppage point of view in in a game, um, and it's just all taken off GPS analysis of of games data. Um, but yeah, initially it was you know important to to balance that, um, and now you know the the game stuff like we can we can get work rates up to two hundred meters a minute um, just from like different sort of games conditioning. Um, so the reliance on that more traditional running um, side of things is is not as great as it as it was. Um, you know, a, a big a big um, kick in our program, if you like, um, came probably a year after we centralised. So after one full year, but they started to tolerate a lot more high speed and, and repeat speed exposure. Um, and it sort of really kicked them along from a like a tolerance point of view and, and actual um, performance point of view. Um, we we you know like follow like a simple and, and consistent philosophy. So key technical drills, especially around speed, um, and then like consistency, just making sure that 
you know, like especially the high velocity running, you're like consistent with your exposure with to it, and you know that that high velocity being above sort of eighty five percent, and even in tournament weeks, I'll, I'll make sure the girls cover off that that higher speed running just so they're constantly exposed to it. Um, we do like follow you know like pretty closely that that sort of acute chronic workload that Tim Gabbett has has. Um, you know, researched and and present so well around the world at the moment with his um with his talks, um and and just keep a close eye on on that sort of thing from a like a a daily and and weekly loading point of view, just to to make sure we avoid those sort of soft tissue and and other um, issues that that are constantly sort of in the background in a in a hard running field sport like like sevens. Mm-hmm. So what what part does does wrestling and kind of grappling um, what what part does that play in the program? Yeah, so sorry from from um, the, the contact point of view, we, yeah, we do a lot of off the ground sort of um, conditioning work. So especially with the girls, we do a lot of like traditional burpee work and, and reload work, which is that um, body uh, body specific off the ground stuff. Um, but also just the the process of like getting down and getting up off the ground. It, it's a big part of our program, and and wrestling is a big part of it. But um, we we do like lean towards exposing them to to that that conditioning and in, in like a game a contact games point of view rather than like your traditional mm-hmm. sort of like wrestling conditioning, if you like. Yeah. Um, just because the the key technical like. Um, points of of the the contact side of things for them is is so important we just need to constantly be reinforcing that um so the the off the ground and 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 the the contact conditioning is is a is a big part like a big component of our wednesday session if you like it's um like the primary focus of, of that session so at least once a week they're, they're getting a good hit of of that side of things and then around the other running days um they're exposed to it as well mm-hmm. so who are you but, i mean like initially it? sorry initially some of these touch girls started their contact work um you know in, in the sand pits or on the beach you know like taking away that that sort of hard fall on the ground, but like just being able to have repetition um, of contact um, and, you know, they spend a lot of time just on that basic stuff um, in, a, in a big sand pit, essentially. So um, that, was, that was how they sort of became accustomed to, to the contact side of things. Who are your biggest influences, Greg, when it comes to, um, when it comes to athletic development? Well, I think, you know, especially with a game like Sevens is like, it's so multifaceted mm-hmm. that I, I get, um, a lot of sort of, well, I've got influences like from like Westside, um, like from a, a strength prescription point of view. Um, Westside, Jim Wendler, um, other, other weightlifting sort of programs point of view, like they're, their sort of philosophies and, and um, processes I definitely follow from from that point of view. And then, as I mentioned, Tim Gabbett, um, you know, Charlie Francis, you know, those those other sort of well-known speed coaches around, around the, the place at the moment. And, and that's the beauty of social media, I guess. Like you get exposed to like a whole lot of um, different influences that, that, you know, like you take bits and pieces from. You know, um, Bosch is a is another big sort of running um, 
or, or speed speed guy. Um, I, you know, like I, I'm not you know totally sold on his total philosophy, but definitely there's components of of his work that I consider and, and include um, in in my programming. So do you? On a, on a kind of bigger scale with regards to kind of um, the kind of communication and the people side of things, the people skills, yep. is there any, is there any influences yep. that you like books or, or sites or people, ind- individuals that you look to for, for that kind of thing? Uh, I guess, uh, I mean, not, not specifically. Yep. Like okay. it, it's more just sort of taken from like, you know, like having a look at, at the, at the, sites around and and just like picking bits and pieces here but no no one specifically sort of that that i i follow and 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 you know take take from it's sort of bits and pieces here and there really so i'm I'm just conscious of time and you need to get you need to get to work so where where can people keep up to date with what you've got going on because you're on you're on twitter for one you mentioned that yeah at, at craig twinnyman um but yeah, I, I mean that, that that that's sort of the main. I'm not like a a big sort of uh, tweeter, if you like, but I definitely like I probably like follow more than I for more than I put out there. But you know, like around tournaments and that, I like to sort of put a few things out there here and there, just to so so people can sort of sort of get a, an inside sort of like look at things. So. Just just one last thing. What's the, the the kind of week building up to a a Dubai or a, a tournament. What's how does that differ to um to, to like a normal week? So yeah, tapering so, like, down to a tournament. Yeah, we we have a lot of um you know detail around our our planning from that point of view. You know, like you know three to four weeks from a from a tournament like is is very different to to what a tournament week like looks like as as you say. We um you know found that. The traditional sort of captain's run, if you like, or the the on feet um, day prior to a tournament, it wasn't working for us. So we went away from that and, and structured two sessions throughout the week, <clears throat> relatively light. It ends up being about six to eight k's um, with an activations and like sort of PSS or like um, personal skills sort of um, session prior to that that tournament that first tournament day. So it's it's fairly light week and and like really structured around the work that we've done leading into that. So the the two to three weeks prior, um, all based like loadings and that are based based off those those weeks there. Cool. Well, I definitely will let you go this time because I'm like I say I'm conscious that you're uh, they need to get off. So um, just want to thank you for your time and really appreciate you uh, joining us at six o'clock in the morning. No, it's fine, Rob. Thanks for having me. Good time, mate. Speak, speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. See you, pal. Bye, yeah, bye. See you, mate. Bye, bye. Thanks for tuning in to episode 112 of the Pace Performance Podcast. Such a great episode from Craig. Really want to thank him for his time in a, certainly a busy schedule. Um, so thanks to Craig for, uh, for giving up his time and thanks to you guys for tuning in. So as I mentioned, got a new website coming up in the next couple of weeks, hopefully with some brand new content which will, which will complement the podcast. Um, in the form of in the form of video, in the form of um, increased numbers of written articles, so that should be really good, and I'm really excited to kind of present that and, and bring that to you, and uh, hopefully voice that on the podcast uh, and get some feedback from you guys. So, 
Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, massive thanks to Val Performance again for sponsoring the episode today. Uh, I will uh, catch you next week in episode 113.